for singing this morning. And uh, let's pray just so I can gather my thoughts and, and focus in. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your goodness towards us. Father, I thank you for uh, the blessing it is to come together as a congregation to worship you. Father, to be a people who come and sing that Jesus is great, that he is our authority, that he is the power, that he is our salvation, that we rejoice even in the midst of sufferings because of what Christ has done for us. So, Father, you are so good. Thank you for allowing us just to corporately come together and, and sing that out. Lord, this morning as we look into your word, Father, I pray that it would be just a great time of encouragement and a challenge for us to be the people that you have called us to be. And we do this not by our own efforts, Lord, we know, but we do it by your magnificent grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I feel like this is hitting me. Okay, good. All right, well, good morning. So it's really good to see you today. And I, uh, uh, you know, with our ladies on retreat, I hope that you fathers have been running a tight ship. I, I hope it's been, been going well uh, for you, that you've been smooth operators. And I'm sure you've all and your kids have all enjoyed their pizza and their Panda Express the last couple days. Although we, we kicked it up a notch one night. I did, I did KFC on a Friday night. But yesterday, uh, Katie and I had crab. Yes, and we had a uh, we enjoyed that very much. She and I are the only seafood eaters in our house, and so when the house is empty, we don't care what it smells like because that seems to be like if you don't like fish, that seems to be the biggest. Uh, compl- it smells like fish. The house smells. I'm like it smells delicious, but uh, they don't they don't seem to like it. But uh, that's okay. But we've uh, we've had a good time. Except I got to tell you what I I'm I'm a bit frazzled. You know, some of you fathers who are just calm as can be, that's great. I made a nice big cup of coffee in my thermos ready to go this morning, and it's still on the counter. And, um, and so you're in for a real treat today. Since I haven't had my coffee, we'll see what happens. And, uh, you, know, you know, my water, the whole bit. So I, I just appreciate your patience during, during the time of me having to walk back there. Today, with, with our ladies being, being a good number of them being gone, uh, I wanted to take a break from our Ephesians study because we're right now in a very transitional passage. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I can do it. <laughs> it's like, you know, I called Jeff and I said, hey, Jeff, I'm going to take a break from Ephesians. He's like, well, yeah, it's your call. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not always used to, uh, you know, this I- idea of preaching and teaching so, so often, but God is sustaining and God is good. But I want, since we're in such a transitional statement, uh, passage and um, the Lord has really laid it on my heart, just what Paul is praying for our church. And I believe that that prayer is so applicable to us. I want as many of us to be here over the next couple of weeks as we go into that. And plus, I'm excited uh, about uh, what we'll be talking about today. So I hope you noticed a couple things today. Uh, that are a little different in our church. We've hung, hung up the, our banners, declaring that it's Missions Month. And I love what it says, declaring his glory among the nations. You see, every believer in every church must be about proclaiming Christ to the world. And in the month of February each year, we like to set the month apart for the purpose of renewing our excitement for the Great Commission for missions, for going and telling the world. See, we are called as believers and as a body to not be idle, 
but to go. We're called to go, to go into all the world and make disciples. You see, we have a mission, both individually and corporately. All of us are to be about missions in the spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our job. And so we also, as a church, we are blessed to have missionaries throughout the globe. And during this month, today I want to speak on missions, but we'll highlight a different missionary for you to get to know them, for you to be praying for them. You know, we support them financially, but every missionary I have ever met will always come back and say, yes, obviously we need to eat. We need to be able to fly back and forth. We need the supply. But what they covet most is prayer because they know that they are on the front line of a great war. And Satan does not want to see the gospel go forward. And so it is spiritual battle for them day in and day out. They're under tremendous pressure. Sadly, so many churches will say, hey, how many people did you win to salvation? Well, now we know that that's a God thing. But can you imagine the pressure they're under to give numbers? And so, because some would say, it's your job to save them. It's their job to proclaim faithfully. In fact, it could be said that you could go to an Islamic country, proclaim the gospel, be faithful, And like the prophets of the Old Testament, how many people listened to them? Not many, but they yet were still faithful and oftentimes gave their lives for the gospel. And so they covet our prayers. And so we need to know who they are and we need to be praying for them. Just to give you a a quick rundown, we have have missionaries in the Philippines, Pastor Nilo, in Tan, Molina in Spain, and Ami in India, Mark Christopher in South Africa, the Carnivals in Taiwan. We have Orphan and Church Ministry uh, with Compassion for Congo, with Didier. Many of you remember him. Uh, We have Fernando Roca in Mexico. We have Cornerstone Seminary here in our own backyard up north in the North Bay that we support with our gifts and with our prayers. And along with those who we currently support, we also have others who we pray for. I know of two families at least who currently have family who they love overseas sharing the gospel. I know as a family at home, we have the Clark's picture on a refrigerator. And it's a reminder to pray for them for safe flights and for the spiritual victories and spiritual war that they are in in Papua New Guinea. John and Harriet aren't here today. Yeah, Michael. That's right. Thank you. Hollister Pregnancy Center. Right here in our backyard, too. You know, John and Harriet aren't here today, and I, uh, they would probably be somewhat embarrassed, but I'm going to take a moment to, to uh, ask you something. Even those of you who have young kids, their children and grandchildren, I can actually get a little choked up about it, but I'll, I'll remain composed. Their children and grandchildren are halfway across the world flying to bring the scriptures to a people who do not have the scriptures in Papua New Guinea. And as grandparents and as parents, I I can't imagine what that means to let go of that. That is quite a sacrifice. But because they love Jesus Christ, they say, we will enjoy our family for a month or two months Sometimes they get a little longer furlough than that, and then we'll send them back. And I know it's hard. I mean, can you imagine on what that is? So be praying for them. Be praying for them as, they, uh, as their kids come back and as they go. 
It's a, it's a big sacrifice, but Jesus is worth it, and they know that. And I would say this to parents, pray for your children. As you train them up in the scriptures, do not be ones who would say, ah, I don't really want you to go. I can't handle you being halfway across the world. We need to let go for the sake of the kingdom, don't we? I'm preaching that to myself too, by the way. It would be very hard if one of my daughters said, hey, dad, I'm taking off and I only get to see you, uh, you know, once every two years for a month or two. And by the way, my grandkids will be there too, if God supplies that way. That's hard. But we sacrifice and we give our lives for a mission. And what is the mission? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Such a sacrificial love that people have who give to going forward and going out to spread the gospel. By God's grace, and it's only God's grace, we are a church that strongly desires the gospel to reach the nations of the world. And by God's grace, we will work diligently to support the preaching and teaching of God's word to those who need to hear. And so what do we do as a church? We go and we give and we pray. And today, we'll preach on it. And we'll remind ourselves of why we go and why we pray and why we give. And before we jump into the text that we'll be in, I want to remind us and I want us all to understand what we at Grace Bible Church understand to be the focus of Christ-centered missions. And there's really five things, and I'm not going to comment long, but I want you to know this. This is what we look for when we send someone out. This is what we look for to support the cause of Christ in the world. We look for those who focus on proclaiming the authority and the glory of Jesus Christ alone. We want to bring to the nations Jesus Christ, not Western civilization, not our traditions. We want to bring them Jesus and Jesus alone. And so that we focus on training leaders who will make disciples through the whole counsel of God, which will equip them for the continued work of the gospel. Do you understand that this is how it worked? You've heard me say this often, but remember, we had 12 disciples, Judas out, they throw lots, Matthias comes in, Jesus uh, himself appoints Paul to go, and from Jerusalem... Do you think they just said, okay, we're each going to go share the gospel. Let's, you know, they'll get saved, but we'll just leave it at that. What did they do? No, they taught them the whole counsel of God so that what? What was entrusted to them, they would then entrust to others. You see, we are about reproduction by the grace of God. We want more people to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we can't just go, we have to disciple in the Great Commission, it says, go make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. We want to equip the church and we equip believers for the continued work of the gospel. We also want our missions will focus on doing the work of evangelism, which leads people to publicly identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? You cannot be a secret Christian. We are to publicly proclaim, I belong to Jesus. Now in America, when we have our baptism services, that is what you're doing. And you see how that works? If we get people publicly proclaiming, we are fulfilling the command of our Savior. 
Go make disciples and baptize them. Now, see what happens if you get baptized in Iran or in Iraq, Saudi Arabia. When you pub are publicly as a heretic in their society. But isn't that what God calls us to do? I think we lose sight of that sometimes in America, don't we? You know, even if you went and did the, the word on the street, are we a Christian nation? I know. It's a discussion for another day. But people will say, yeah. They would have a point to a certain point. I would say that as a Western society, well, at least at one time, we lean towards Christian values and such. But you go elsewhere. When you proclaim Christ and you identify with Christ, you give of your life. And that's what we share. We focus on sending qualified people who hold to the glory of Christ and all his sufficient word. You know, just send people to go and teach seminars or to go and feed. You know, our mercy ministry is needed. Absolutely. Are we called to feed the hungry? Yes. Are we called to care for the poor? Yes. Are we called to care for the sick? Yes. But what a tragedy it is, is all you do is build a well and they'll never worry about water, but they'll go to hell. You see what we're saying? We in Jesus, we do this out of kindness and love and we're called to do it. But it's not just water only, it's water secondary. We give them the living water. We give them Jesus Christ. And we focus on those who know that, that it's Christ and his glory and his word that matters. It's a tragedy that the prosperity gospel is going out strongly in areas of poverty. You go to the Philippines, it blows my mind. You know, if you, I've, I've been to the Philippines and you go and there's poverty everywhere. And you see, sadly, how some people live. Oh, but by the way, Jesus wants you to have money. Jesus wants you to be rich. No, Jesus wants you to give your life, and he may even call you to suffer for his sake, but you do so because Christ suffered for us. So we hold to God's word. And we focus this, we focus on sending workers who grasp the central truth that Jesus Christ is with them. You can't do this on your own strength. Again, you may go and proclaim and proclaim and proclaim and you will eventually run out of strength. But you need to know, as Jesus said, lo, I am with you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So you see why these are important. Why is proclaiming the authority of, and glory of Christ alone important? Because all authority belongs to Christ alone. We sang that this morning. In the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me that is in heaven and in the earth. Jesus is the boss. That's how I like to put it. Jesus is the boss. And he said, go. We focus on training leaders who make disciples. Why? Because we are called to make disciples who will indeed teach others in all that Christ has told us to do. He, they need to teach the whole council. We baptize, making public proclamation of faith and public identification. And again, we do this for the glory of Christ and by the word of Christ. And it's only through the power of Christ, really in anything we do, corporately, individually, as you share the gospel with friends and family, 
It is only through the power of Christ's active presence in us. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can accomplish God's work. And that's what Jesus told the disciples. You will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And do you see how the Spirit moved and worked? That day as Peter preached, who just shortly beforehand was denying our Savior, he preached and 3,000 souls came to Christ. Because the Holy Spirit moves in power. See, missions is important. We're commanded to go, and we do this not for our glory, but we do it for the glory of God. We do missions, and we go, we pray, and we send for the fame of Jesus Christ. Well, we have a few moments left today, and I want to look at a passage that really is a psalm of thankfulness. And we'll see how a heart of thankfulness really fuels a desire for missions. So turning your Bibles back to possibly the dusty section. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Now before we jump in, a little introduction. The book of 1 and 2 Chronicles is traditionally viewed as a book written by Ezra. And it's a book that chronicles... The events of the years. That's kind of a Hebrew translation. The events of the years. And it's been used in tradition, in Jewish tradition, as a supplement to the books of Samuel and Kings. So the books of Samuel and Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, they complement each other. And it's a book of history, but it's written about 500 years after David and about 450 years before Christ. But what it is in the book of Chronicles, it's a reminder to the Jewish people of God's covenant with David and with God's people. It's a reminder of God's promises. You see, they were just now returning from exile from Babylon. And the nation was in ruins. It was in need of repair. That's why we, when we read in Nehemiah that the walls needed to be built. The nation was far, far away from the glory years of David and Solomon. And again, as it's a history of God's redemptive plan, starting in chapter 1 from Adam all the way to the Babylonian captivity, but in chapter 16, starting at verse 8, the form changes, and we move into a psalm. And it's a psalm of thanksgiving. And in this chapter, we see a great highlight in the history of David's kingdom. Some would say it might be the greatest highlight in the history of David's kingdom. You see, Saul was an evil king. And I wish we had time to kind of go back, but do you guys remember from Sunday school? And if not, Saul, not a good king. Throwing spears at David, consulting mediums, did not trust God. He was not faithful. And during Saul's reign, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God for the people of Israel, was not in Jerusalem. And that was a symbol of God's presence not being with his people. And so David strongly, strongly is not even a word, David desired that the Ark be brought back to Jerusalem. And so David prepared a tent and a tabernacle for the Ark of God. He said, I want to bring the ark back. I want to bring it to Jerusalem and the presence of God will be with us. He wanted that back. And so after some time, and you can talk, chapter 13, you can see, and there's a little bit of challenge that someone touches the ark and dies instantly because it's, 
you obey what God says. That's a whole another sermon too. I probably can do that someday. But that's a really good sermon. But <laughs> I'm starting to think about it. Stop. But the ark comes back. And what we see is the people have a celebration. Well, what were they celebrating? The people were celebrating God in their midst. The presence of their God. The one and only God. The ark returning was a picture of God being among his people again. And it was a joyous time of offerings and burnt offerings and gifts from David. Peace offerings. David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And it was a great, great moment in the history of Israel. And then in chapter 7, or in verse 7 of chapter 16 of 1 Chronicles, it says this. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Now as one who gets the opportunity to lead worship, I'm just going to throw this in for free. I cannot wait to be in heaven someday and sing with Asaph and his brothers. Because what we see here is a song or a psalm of thanksgiving and praise. I want to read the whole thing. It's a little bit long. But as we read this, see what God has done. And I want you to be thinking ahead of time, why would this fuel missions? Why would this fuel what we should declare to the nations? And this is the song. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. His miracles and judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham. His sworn promise to Isaac. Which he confirmed as a statute to Jacob. As an everlasting covenant to Israel. Saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan. As your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in numbers and of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. And this is where we'll focus on in a few moments. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and he is to be held in awe above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O clans of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. 
Let, then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say also, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. What a psalm. What a section of scripture. And what does this have to do with missions? Everything. Because we proclaim to others what we love the most. We proclaim to others what we hold to be great. You see what David writes? Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make his deeds known among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Can I ask? And I ask myself this. Do we proclaim the deeds of the Lord to others? As we gather, as you gather in your community groups, we should be people who are continually saying, look what God has done for me. And we should be amazed at his deeds in our lives. If you have nothing to say about God's deeds in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of our church, then you are not paying attention. And when we don't pay attention to what God is doing in our lives and doing in our midst, Something tragic happens. It is quick for us to fall into idolatry. And it's a sneaky idolatry, if I can say it that way. Because it's not this blatant idolatry where we're bowing to a statue, burning incense to a picture. No, it's actually more subtle than that, and it's very dangerous. Sadly, we start to attribute God's work in our lives, God's deeds in our lives, and we start to attribute it as coming from ourselves, from our wisdom, from our cleverness, from our plans, from our wisdom. Our efforts and our works, may that never be. That's why the scriptures say, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, be the glory. We need to be a people of praise who are always saying, look what God has done. Look what God has done for us. And the psalm of thanksgiving goes on then to tell Israel and to tell us that we need to remember God's works and we need to remember his faithfulness through the ages. And down in verses 23 through 31, let's see how that thankfulness drives us to missions. You see, missions is an act of worship. We worship God through telling others about God. Sing to the Lord all the earth, and then what? Tell of his salvation from day to day. Do we say to people, my God saved me, and he can save you. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. These are commands within this psalm. We're to sing, we're to worship, we're to tell of his salvation, we're to declare his glory to the nations. Go, 
tell of his salvation from day to day. But why do we do this? Why are we to go? Why do we do it? Because of this. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be held in awe (coughs) above all gods. We go and we reclaim because God is great. And he is greatly to be praised. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. We tell others because God is great and he is to be worshipped for his greatness. He is God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and he is to be held in awe. He is to be worshipped. I hope the answer is yes to this, but I'm going to ask you, have you ever been truly awestruck by anything where you just were blown away in awe, in wonder, anything at all. I hope you have. I hope that you aren't at a level of cynicism that has started to harden your sense of awe and wonder. That you still look and see the glory of God in his creation. I've had moments of awe and wonder. Had the opportunity this last uh, summer to uh, go look through a telescope. And uh, they pointed it at Saturn, and I saw the rings of Saturn. And I thought, really? That's, that's like so far out there, and I'm seeing its rings. That's God's creation. He hung the planets. And I immediately went home and took my birthday money, and I bought a telescope myself. <laughs> and it's too cold right now to use it. And it's so clear, but I was just too cold. But I was in awe, gazing at the stars that he knows by name. It was awesome. You all know I've mentioned Yosemite. You all know I love the view from Glacier Point. I mean, I love Highway 1, looking at the majestic California coastline. We're so blessed to live where we live, to see God's creation. I love the Sierras. One day I was blessed to fly over Mount Fuji in Japan on a crystal clear day. You want to know something that's horrific? That happens every time I have the opportunity to view and gaze upon God's creation. Other people are looking at the same creation and they are damning themselves by worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Two people can be sitting on the top of Half Dome reflecting on the view of the valley. One who by grace is saved is worshiping the Savior and the Creator and saying, look at what the hand of the Lord has done. The other is giving glory for the view to science and chance. That's idolatry. It's tragic idolatry. You know, the book of Romans makes it clear man quickly runs to worshiping creation rather than the creator. We want worship to our great God. And so we proclaim the greatness of God and salvation through Jesus Christ. This is sad. This should break our hearts and move us just to yell, stop, stop. Let me tell you about the creator. Let me tell you about God who is gracious and kind. 
Let me tell you about God who gave Jesus Christ his son for our sins. Let me tell you how to see Yosemite with eyes that have been awakened by a gracious God and give God glory for all that you see. Today, I love sports. I do. I mean, I re- I mean those of you who know me, you know I love sports. Love is the word. Uh, you know, I, I can't, it's not a like, especially when it comes to the Giants and comes to baseball. I love sports. I love the Giants. I have loved the Giants since I was very, very little. How little? I listened to Cam Biar and Lon Simmons on a transistor radio in the backyard with my dad. On a little AM dial. And we were allowed by God to enjoy sports and sporting events. But today is Super Bowl Sunday. You know what today is going to be? And I am not trying to be a downer on the game. I'm going to watch the game. I'll probably run to Knob Hill or Safeway and grab something to eat and, and, and enjoy it. And go enjoy it. Enjoy fellowship with one another. Hear me. I'm not trying to be the killjoy. But you know, really, if you want to analyze today what it is, it is a festival of idolatry. And I'm not trying to bum you out. I won't say that again. I want it to propel us to missions. In fact, we have brothers and si- brothers in Christ, no sisters, we have brothers in Christ who will be playing the game today. So enjoy your time. But please, professional sports, and this is my opinion, have become idols to be worshipped for many, many people. So let today's commercials be enjoyed, if they're appropriate. We'll probably see some pretty creative, funny stuff. Yet, ultimately, the message today will be this. You are not complete without a Ford truck. <laughs> I, sorry, or Chevy, or Dodge, whatever your flavor is. Do you crave something? We have the answer. Doritos and Lay's. You know what you really need is a Bud or Bud Light. And we're going to prove it to you by moving your emotions so deeply with beautiful horses and cute puppy dogs. (laughs) You need a new TV. You need to right now start planning your summer movie schedule. As we'll be bombarded with movie previews. Hey, football ends today. I know you're sad, and actually you'd be surprised how many people go into the doldrums when football ends. But hey, life begins anew with March Madness and the Masters Golf Tournament. That will be said if you listen closely. Is that life? No. The gods of the people will be on full display today. Sex, money, Stuff, materialism, food, entertainment, cars. And guess what? No matter who you have for your mobile phone carrier, today you're going to find out that you're making a mistake. (laughs) But today will show us this in all seriousness. People are tragically lost. This is what they run to. This is where they find their satisfaction. This is what they worship. You see, people were created to worship and to give glory to something 
or someone. Think about that. How many times has someone come up to you and tried to convert you to their flavor of soda? The way they like a steak cooked. How many people are quick to tell you, hey, you're, you're really doing that wrong. You're using the wrong item there. What you need to do is this. People want to proclaim the greatness of things. People want to worship. And without Christ and without awakening from God and without us telling them who they need to worship, they worship creation rather than the creator. Let us be the ones who tell people who really is great, who the famous one is, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Creator, our Ruler, our King, our satisfaction, our life, our joy, our peace. This psalm says this, the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens Let's tell the nations this. Splendor and majesty are before our God. Strength and joy are in his place. Let us be people who ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Let's give our lives before him. Let's worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And we are made holy through Jesus Christ. That's how we give, and that's how we worship in the splendor of holiness, because of Jesus. Let's tremble before him. We'll close with this verse. And I hope this propelled you to missions. This isn't super deep. Well, actually, it really is if you jump into it. But it also is simple. Man, if you don't remember anything else, man worships everything but God, they need to worship God. And that's done by proclaiming Jesus Christ. So let's close with this verse. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them all say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Amen? Let's close in song. <laughs>